notice, let's read verse 20 again. In the same day shall the Lord shave with a razor that is hired, namely by them beyond the river, by the king of Syria, the head and their, uh, the hair of their feet, and it shall consume the beard, and it shall come to pass in that day that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep, and it shall come to pass for the abundance of milk that they shall give. Uh, he shall eat butter, for butter and honey shall every one eat that is left in them. And it shall come to pass in that day that every place shall be where there was a thousand vines at a thousand silverlings, it shall even be for briars and thorns. It's interesting what God has said. He's saying there was a place where there was a thousand vines, now there's going to be briars and thorns. And it's kind of what we were talking about this morning. You've got to understand, God can make the fruitful land barren. And God can make the barren land fruitful. And if it's God who brings the blessings, then we ought to honor Him with the substance that He's given us. Look at verse 24. With arrows and with bows shall men come hither, because all the land shall become briars and thorns. And on all hills that shall be digged with the mattock, there shall not come hither the fear of briars and thorns, but it shall be for the sending forth of oxen and for the treading of lesser cattle. So we see how at the end of this chapter, we're basically dealing with the fact that the northern kingdom of Israel was going to be destroyed by the uh, Assyrians, and that's a prophecy that uh, Isaiah gave and was fulfilled. I wanted to give you that because we're not going to really deal with that much tonight, but I just want you to understand that's what's going on there for those of you that are taking notes or if you're just interested in, in the Word of God. Go back to verse number 1, and this is really what I wanted to deal with tonight. In verse number 1, in verse number one we find the story of uh, Ahaz and a sign that God wanted to give this King Ahaz. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz. That's kind of the subject of this uh, story here. If you remember, just real quickly, go, go back to Isaiah chapter 1. Just real quickly, let me show you something real quickly. Isaiah chapter 1, look at verse 1. The Bible says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. That's how we know he's ministering to that southern kingdom. In the days of, here are the kings. This is the time that uh, Isaiah ministered. In the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So if you remember, those are the kings that were kind of in charge while Isaiah was reigning. We saw already some of these kings in chapter 7, and through chapter 12, we deal with this king named Ahaz. And that's who we're dealing with. Go back to chapter 7, look at verse 1. And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah. So Ahaz... You gotta. I, I, I want to go through this kind of, kind of slowly, but not too slow, because you know I don't do anything really slow. But I want you to understand what's going on here, okay? You have Ahaz, who is the king of Judah. Ahaz is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. The Bible says, and it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that reason, king of Syria. Okay. Now this is not Assyria. This is Syria. It's a different nation. Reason, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of of Israel. So you got Ahaz, the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. You've got uh, Reason, the king of Syria, a separate nation. And then you've got Pekah, who's the king of Israel, or that northern kingdom of Israel. Notice what it says. Went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. So you got the king of Syria, Reason, and you got the king of Israel, or the northern kingdom of Israel, or Ephraim, Pekah, and they are going to war against the king of Judah and the southern uh, nation of Israel. Keep your finger there in Isaiah chapter 7, okay? Go back to Second uh, Kings chapter 16. 2 Kings, towards uh, the beginning of the Old Testament there, you got First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. So if you find those books that start with the number 1 and number 2, get to Second Kings chapter 16. Second Kings chapter 16. 
the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that reason the king of Israel, uh, of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel. Is that not who he's imitating? Is that not who he's uh, trying to walk in the ways of the king of Israel? And here you have the king of Israel, notice what the Bible says, went up toward Jerusalem to, notice, war against it. Look at verse, skip down to verse number 5 just real quickly. Because Syria and Ephraim and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it. Okay, so the king of Israel and the king of Syria are talking amongst each other about the king of Judah. And here's what they said. Let us go up against Judah and vex it. And let us make a breach therein for us. Now notice, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiel. So here you have the king of Judah looking at the king of Israel saying, I want to look like them and dress like them and act like them and be like them. I want to walk in their ways. And then the king of Israel says, I'm going to come make war against you, and I'm going to replace you, and I'm going to put another king in the midst of where you are. Let me tell you something, young people, you got to understand this. Right now you want to rebel, and you want to be cool, and you want to look like the world, but you need to understand something about the world. They want nothing to do with you but destroy you. They want to take, we saw it in, earlier in Isaiah, they want to take your righteousness from you. Young ladies, they want to take your virginity, they want to take your pureness, you think they want to be your friends, they want to destroy you. Go to John chapter 10. Let me just show you something about the, 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 the enemy. Let me tell you something about the world. Let me tell you something about the devil. Because we look at the world, say, I want to be just like the world. You don't understand. The world wants to destroy you. John chapter 10, look at verse number 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10, this is what Jesus says about the devil and the world. John chapter 10 and verse 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief cometh not before to, notice, steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what the devil wants with you. That's what the world wants with you. You look at, you, you look at Israel and you say, I want to be just like the northern tribe of Israel. I want to look like them. I want to act like them. I want to dress like them. I want to date their, their young people and I want to party like they do. That's what Christian young people realize. But I got to tell you something. When they get a hold of you, they're going to kill you. They're going to steal from you. They're going to destroy you. They're going to use you up. And when they've had their way with you, they're going to dump you. You got to understand this. The world doesn't want to be your friend. And as soon as you young people realize that, you won't have to have the testimony as some of the dear people in the church have where they say, yeah, I, I kind of went off into the world and then in my mid-30s I kind of woke up and realized that the world's not exactly what I thought it was. Here you have this young man saying, I want to be like the king of Israel, and the king of Israel wants nothing more than to destroy you. Go back to Isaiah chapter 7. Look at verse 2. And it was told the house of David. Now the house of David is referring to Ahaz, because remember, he, was the, he comes from that lineage of David. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. Remember, Ephraim is that northern kingdom of Israel. They come, to, they come to Ahaz and they say, Hey, Syria and Ephraim have joined alliance against you. Now notice what the Bible says about this young man Ahaz. And his heart was moved, and the heart of his people, as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. Ahaz is now in a position where he is afraid. And let me tell you what I know about you. Here's what I know about you, and I know about me, and I know about everybody who's ever lived. From time to time, we all have reasons to be afraid. Is that not true? 
I don't know. I, I, I know all of you personally for the most part. I, I know you. But I don't really know everything about you. I don't know what you're going through. But I know this, that there are some of you that have some health issues, either you personally or a, a loved one, a spouse or a child or someone you're very close to, a friend, and it is affecting you. And, and inside of you has set in some fear. And you don't really know what's going to happen with my health or my wife's health or my husband's health or my children's health or my friend's health or my family member's health or my... Uh, aunt's health or my mom's health. They're, they're, sometimes health reasons will cause us to have fear. Maybe you're here and you've got some fear in your heart because you don't really know what's going to happen in your relationship. You're in a marriage that you just don't really know how it's going to work out. Or you've got children and you're just not really sure. You, they're kind of just gone into the world and you don't really know if they're going to come back or not. Or if God's going to spare them from, from, from reaping all the, that they've sowed. And, and there's a little bit of fear in your heart because you don't really know how things are going to work out with this marriage or with your children or in the relationship or in the friendships that you have. Some of you, like we talked about this morning, have some fear in your heart because of financial reasons. You're not really sure what's going to happen with your career. And you're not really sure what's going to happen with your job. And you're afraid about the housing market. And you're afraid about the fact that you, your house is upside down and your car is upside down and your whole life's upside down. You're in debt. You're afraid. You're scared. You're just unsecure about... See, here's what I know. I don't know a lot about you, but I know this. From time to time, we all have reasons to be in fear. From time to time, we all get attacked. From time to time, we all have somebody come against us and we think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Now here's what's interesting about the story. Ahaz was not really the best guy around. He came from a good lineage and he came from a good uh, background and he, and he understood who God was. And, but, but he wasn't really living right. But when he comes to this place in his life where he's just kind of afraid and scared. And he's supposed to be the leader and he's supposed to stand up and tell people. And, and they see that he's as scared as they are. And they're scared and they're afraid. Notice verse 3, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 3. I want you to understand something about God. During your time of fear, God wants to become very real to you. Are you there in Isaiah chapter 7? I think this is amazing. Verse 3. Because remember, we read about Ahaz. He didn't walk in the ways of the Lord. He was trying to live like the world. He wasn't really that good of a kid. But in verse 3, remember in verse 2, his heart was moved and the heart of his people, he's scared, he's afraid, he's insecure, he's anxious, he's not sleeping at night, he doesn't know what's going to happen, he doesn't know how he's going to get out of this, he doesn't know how things are going to work out in his life, he's kind of scared. And in verse 3 the Bible says, then said the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital S, Jehovah God, that is Almighty God, the Creator of the universe. The Bible says, then said the Lord unto Isaiah, the man of God, Isaiah. The preacher, the prophet, the man who spoke for God at this time. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, notice what God says. He says, go forth now to meet Ahaz. Say, God, why would you be interested in Ahaz? Don't you know Ahaz? He grew up in church and he rebelled. He turned 18 years old, he left. Don't you know Ahaz? He's trying to live like the world. Don't you know Ahaz? I mean, he, he had all, all the opportunity and he had all the privileges and he had all the ability. And he's kind of turned his back on you and he wants to live like the world. But God, why are you interested in Ahaz? And here's why God is interested in Ahaz. Because God has brought Ahaz to a place where he's just a little scared. And just a little afraid. And just a little insecure. And he doesn't really know how things are going to play out. And God says, I want to use this opportunity to become real to Ahaz. And he sends Isaiah, then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz. Thou and Shear Jashub, thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool and the highway of the fuller's field. Keep your finger there in Isaiah chapter 7. Go to Isaiah 41, just real quickly. I want to show you something about God. 
Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. Fear is not from God. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Isaiah 41 verse 10, the Bible explains, Isaiah explains to us in another passage, we'll get to it in like 40 weeks, <laughs> when we get to Isaiah 41 or whatever. Uh, look at verse 10, okay? Notice what Isaiah says. He says, fear thou not. Ahaz would say, why not? Why should I not be afraid? Notice, fear thou not, for, that word for means because, here's why you shouldn't fear, because, this is God speaking, I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Why should I not be dismayed? Why should I not be upset? Why should I not be distressed? Here's why. For I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. See, I want you to understand this. When you're afraid, when you're dismayed, when you're anxious... When you're not just really sure how things are going to work out, and if they're going to work out in your favor, and this might be the end, and this might be it, and she's leaving, and he's leaving, and they're not coming back, and they're taking my house, and they're taking my job, and and this is it! At that point, God wants to become very real to you. At that point, God will kind of intercede into your path. Even though you aren't really looking for Him, and even though you're really walking His way, He will make sure He kind of brings someone alongside you that says, Hey, you know what? God wants to become real to you. Now here's what God wants you to know. And, 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 and God wants, and, and Isaiah teaches Ahaz a few things as to what are we to do when we don't know what to do. What should we do when I'm afraid? What should I do when I'm scared? What should I do when my world is falling apart? What do I do? Now notice, notice what Isaiah says to him. Go back to Isaiah chapter 7. Look at verse 4. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 4. And, and this is kind of all introduction. We're getting to one part in the, in the sermon and, and I'll give you the truth and we'll, we'll have cake and ice cream, okay? Isaiah chapter 7, okay? Look at verse 4. I want you to notice the advice that Isaiah gives Ahaz. What do I do when I'm afraid? What do I do when I'm anxious? What do I do if I don't know if my business is going to make it, my marriage is going to make it, my finances are going to make it, my health is going to make it, my child's health? What do I do when I don't know what to do? Now notice what God, through the prophet Isaiah, says to Ahaz. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 4. And say unto him. So this is God telling Isaiah. This is what I want you to tell Ahaz. And say unto him. Take heed. The word heed means to pay attention or be alert. God says, I want you to pay attention. I want you to sit up, Ahaz. I want you to be alert. And, notice this, be quiet. In the Greek it says, shut up. <laughs> Stop talking. Say, why, why would God tell Ahaz to, to be quiet? Probably because he's doing the same thing you and I do when we're afraid and scared. He's complaining. Why is this happening to me? And why do I have to go through this? And why? And, 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 and Isaiah says, first of all, listen to me. Uh, be quiet. <laughs> Stop talking. But here's what Isaiah is saying to Ahaz. He says, take heed. He said, he said, he said, he said this is the time. Isaiah is telling Ahaz, and I want you to listen to me. When you're scared, when you're afraid, when you don't know what to do, that is not the time to fade out of church. That is not the time to stop reading your Bible. That is not the time to give up on prayer. That is the time to kind of sit up and wake up and take heed and get alert and say, God's doing something here. God wants to talk to me. God's trying to get my attention. I better stop talking so I can hear what God wants to say. Do you understand that? See, here's what you and I like to do. Financial problems come and we start strategizing and we start thinking and we're saying, well, if I do this and if I do that and if I get this done and if I do that and if I move here and if I take this job and if I do that and God says, hey, 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 just be quiet. Just 
Stop talking. Just pay attention. I want to get your attention. He says, take heed. He says, be quiet. Now notice the second thing that he tells him. Look at verse, two again, uh, verse 4 again. And say unto him, take heed and be quiet. Now notice what he says. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Neither be faint-hearted. He says, get some courage. Get some strength about you. For the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of reason with Syria and of the son of Remaliah. Keep your finger there in Isaiah. Go just real quickly. Go with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 118. Let me just show you one verse. You can use as a cross-reference if you're taking notes. Uh, Psalm 118. Look at verse 6. I want you to notice. The first thing God tells Ahaz through Isaiah is pay attention. Be quiet. And by the way, when you're scared and you're afraid, that is not the time to start making sudden decisions. Well, I think that if I just did this, and if I just found another wife, and if I just got another job, and if I just moved to another state, and if I just look, when you're scared or afraid and you don't know what's going to happen, don't make any sense. Just pay attention and be quiet. And here's the next thing to do. Don't fear man. He says, fear not. Neither be afraid. Are you there in Psalm 118? Look at verse 6. Psalm 118. You open your Bible right in the center. You're more than likely following the book of Psalm. Psalm 118. Look at verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. For what can man do unto me? Let me ask you something. What can man do to you? So they take your house. We talked about that this morning. So they take your car. So they put a lien on your house. So they ruin your credit. So what? God says, don't be afraid. He said, don't, don't start fearing man. Go, go back to Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah. Look at verse 7. Isaiah, verse 7. Isaiah 7, look at verse 7. God says, don't make any sudden decisions. He said, I want you to take heed and I want you to be quiet. He said, don't fear man. He said, don't, don't start getting afraid. He said, what? I will not fear. What can man do unto me? He says, the Lord is on my side. Look at verse 7. Thus saith the Lord God. Now notice what God says to, I, to Ahaz. He's talking about this impending doom of Syria and of the northern kingdom of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God. Notice, notice what God says. God says, it shall not stand. He said, you have nothing to worry about. Neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is reason. Now notice this. And within three score and five years, a score is 20 years, so three score is 60 years. He says, within three score and five years. Here's what God said. When 65 years Ahaz, Ephraim, the Bible says years, shall Ephraim be broken, and it, and it be not a people. Remember, we, we, we started the sermon with the latter part of the chapter, where God prophesied about the fact that the children of Ephraim, the northern kingdom, was going to be destroyed. God is telling Ahaz, hey, you're all scared about Ephraim, and in 65 years, they're going to get destroyed. They're not even going to be a people. How many times do we worry about things that may happen that never actually happen? How many times do we, we get so scared and so wound up and so afraid and we make all sorts of things because something may happen in the future. Amen. And God says, that's not really going to happen. In 65 years, they're not even going to be a nation. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Let me just show you this real quickly. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 34. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Matthew 6 to verse 34. Matthew 6 verse 34. We kind of talked about this this morning. It's interesting how this morning's sermon and Isaiah 7 kind of go together very well. And I didn't plan that out. I'm not smart enough to plan that out. I just let God do it. Matthew 6 verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Ahaz, 
I'm so scared. Ephraim and, and, and Pekah and Assyria, they're going to come. They're going to destroy me. And, they, and you don't understand. They've made all these threats and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And, and, and Jesus would say, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Here's what Jesus is saying. You have enough things to worry about right now. And you have enough things to worry about tomorrow for you to be worrying about tomorrow right now. He said, it may not even happen. It shall not stand. That nation you're so afraid about, they're not even going to be a nation in 65 years. What do I do when I'm afraid? You don't make any sudden decisions. You pay attention, you get alert, you shut your mouth. You be quiet. You don't fear man. You don't worry about what may happen tomorrow. Go back to Isaiah chapter 7. Look at verse 8. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 8. What do I do when I don't know what to do? You don't make sudden decisions. You don't fear man. You don't worry about what may happen. Isaiah 7 and verse 8. You don't trust in man. Let me tell you something. When you put your trust in men, you will be let down. Men are... Men, human beings are... They're looking for an opportunity to let you down. Notice verse 8. This is what God says about the people coming to take over Ahaz. For the head of Syria... This is why God says... This is why you don't have to worry about it, Ahaz. He says, for the head of Syria is Damascus. Damascus is the capital city. So head is a reference to the leader. Or the, the person they have their confidence in. He says, the head of Syria, he says, the leader of Syria, the confidence of Syria is the city, Damascus. And the head of Damascus is reason. That's the king. They said, you know, you know that those Syrians, they're trusting in a man, Ahaz. And within three score and five years shall Ephraim be broken, and shall not be a people. Look verse 9. And the head of Ephraim, remember that's the northern kingdom. He says the, the head of Ephraim is their capital city, Samaria. And the head of Samaria is Remaliah. And here's what God is telling Ahaz. God is telling Ahaz, those people are trusting in men. Their confidence is in an individual. And he says, don't put your confidence in man. Ye will not... Notice what he says, the last part of verse 9. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. Go back, go back to Psalm 118. I don't know if I... I meant to tell you to put your uh, finger there and I forgot. But go back to Psalm 118. We saw verse 6. Remember Psalm 118, uh, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Go back to Psalm 118. Look at verse 8. Psalm 118. We saw Psalm 118.6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Look at Psalm 118 and verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. You start getting afraid and you start getting scared and you start thinking, what am I going to do and how am I going to get out of this and how am I going to do And you start putting up all your plans together and I, if I do this and if I do that. Listen, stop trusting in man, even you. Stop putting your confidence in people. Just put your confidence in God. Go back to Isaiah chapter 7. And here's what I really wanted to get to, okay? Isaiah chapter 7. I, I, we're we're, we're going to go to verse uh, to, to verse 15, okay? So we're, all, we're almost done. Because remember, we already covered verses 16 to the end of the chapter. Look at verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying... So God is continuing to minister to this young man, Ahaz, through the prophet Isaiah. It says, Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying... Now notice what God says to Ahaz. He says, Ask thee a sign. God says, I want you to ask for a sign. Of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depths, 
or in the height above. He said, God says, I want Ahaz, I want Ahaz, I want you to ask me for a sign, whatever you want, from the depth, from the height above. He said, ask me for a sign, and I'm going to show you a sign, and that sign is going to allow you to know that I'm in control, I'm still on my throne, don't worry. Okay, now I want you to understand something, okay, because we've got to be true to the text. We'll give you the, 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 the primary application, the application for today. You need to understand this, okay? God was offering Ahaz a sign. You and I don't get that same offer, okay? You don't get to ask God for a sign, okay? So some of you are going to, God, stop the sun in its tracks, okay? It's not going to work, okay? God doesn't give us signs today. Let me prove it to you. Go to Matthew 16. Now we're going to go to Matthew and... Uh, let me see if I need you to keep your finger in Matthew. No. Just go to Matthew 16. Look at verse 4. We actually dealt with on Wednesday night, a couple of Wednesday nights ago. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But go to Matthew 16. Look at verse 4. Matthew 16 and verse 4. Okay? You can't ask God for a sign. Ahaz got a sign from God. Uh, uh, God, God, God was offering Ahaz a sign. You and I don't get that offer, okay? So you don't get to ask God for signs. Are you there in Matthew 16? Look at verse 4. Remember this a couple of Wednesday nights ago? Matthew 16 and verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. So don't ask God for a sign, because the awakened of those generations seek it for a sign. We already got our sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Remember, a couple of Wednesday nights, we talked about the sign of the prophet Jonas. We went through all that. I'm not going to go through that again. You can catch that online if you'd like. And he left them and departed. Okay. You and I don't get to ask for a sign. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Okay. You and I don't get to ask for a sign. But here's what you and I do get to do. We don't get to ask for a sign, but we, you and I do get to ask. Are you there in Matthew chapter 7? Look at verse 7. Now remember, don't ask for a sign, but you do get to ask. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and he shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So you don't get to ask for a sign. God offered Ahaz a sign, and that's the story. You and I don't get to ask for a sign, because the wicked of those generations seek after a sign. He already gave us a sign, the sign of the prophet Jonas. But here's what you and I do get to do. We do get to ask. We get to go to God in prayer and ask Him, look, when you're afraid, when you're in fear, when you don't know what to do, you get to ask. Now here's what's interesting about that. Go back, go back to Isaiah chapter 7. And, you know, in September I'll have pastored for four years. I'm not, I'm not an old pastor. I'm a, I'm a young man. Some of you, I, I, I always tell people, well, I don't always tell people. I just tell people this if I don't like them. <laughs> so if I told you this, I'm sorry. People say to me, you're, you're, you know, people, sometimes they look down on me, you're a young pastor, you're a young preacher. I say, I'm not, I'm not young, you're just old, okay? <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, I don't think I've told any of you that. Okay, so that's good. You and I don't get to, or here's what I say. In the four years of pastoring, here's what I have found. When Christians struggle with their marriage, with their children, with their finances, with their health, with whatever it is that you're struggling with, they will complain and they will get upset and they will be moan and they will stress out. And usually, for the most part, and if you were honest, you would say this is true in your heart, usually the last thing we do is pray. And God says, you know what you get to do? Ahaz, you get to ask. Now, now, Ahaz got to ask for a sign. You and I don't get to ask for a sign. But you and I do get to ask. But usually we're like Ahaz. Go, go back to Isaiah chapter 7. Look at verse 12. Isaiah chapter 7. Now notice. God says to Ahaz, ask for a sign. Right? Now look, if God tells you ask for a sign, ask for a sign. Okay? But notice what Ahaz does. 
Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And look, this is the attitude of most Christians. Ah, oh, Pastor, I'm really struggling financially. I'm struggling with this. You prayed about it? Well, you know, I mean, I, mean, I prayed about it. I, I mean, have you really gone on your knees and besought God and praying about that thing? Have you developed a relationship with God where you say, God, I don't know what, I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work out. I mean, have we really gotten to the place where we've learned to commune our spirit with God and ask in prayer? I'm not talking about right before you eat. And I'm not really talking about putting a prayer request in on the Wednesday night service. I'm talking about you getting alone with God and asking. And usually that's the last thing we do. Usually that doesn't even pop in our heads. Well, I, I figured out if I get alone and I do this and I can get myself out of this, why don't you just ask? Because here's the thing. God tells Ahaz, ask. And here's Ahaz's attitude. Look at verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And God tells you and God tells me that we have the privilege to ask. And most of the time we have this attitude of, I will not ask. See, see God, I'm too busy trying to plan out this battle. I'm too busy trying to figure out how to win in this marriage. I'm too busy trying to figure out how to minimize the, 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 the losses that I'm going to get through this divorce or through this business. Family. I'm, I'm too busy strategizing to be able to get alone with you and ask. And God says, well, that's why I told you to pay attention. And I told you to be quiet. And I told you to stop fearing. And I told you to not trust in man. And I told you to ask. Look at verse 13. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. I, I understand Isaiah. Isaiah was the preacher, you know. And I understand his grief a little bit because he says, Is this one thing for you to worry, men? But will you worry my God also? Here's what Isaiah is saying. I'm tired of you, Ahaz. <laughs> so I'm weary of you, Ahaz. Stop calling me, Ahaz. You know, he's like, he's like I, I, I give you advice, I give you counsel. You won't take my advice, you won't take my counsel. He said, You're wearing men, but are you going to worry God? When he told you to ask. Now, now, and this reminds me of James 4.2. You have to turn there. But James 4.2, remember he said, Ye have not because ye ask not. Now here, here's the interesting part, okay? Look at verse 14. Now, Isaiah 7.14 is the most famous, probably, now, I don't know if it's the most, but it's definitely one of the most famous verses in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ given thousands of years before Christ came. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 says, Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now, some of the uh, older... Uh, perversions of the Bible when they first started making versions of the Bible that were uh, taking things out they, they tried to change the word virgin to a uh, young woman and they said a, a young woman uh, shall conceive and a lot of people say wait a minute that's wrong so they kind of backed off of that but that will show you a little bit about these modern Bible versions but here's the thing if a, if a young woman conceives that's not really a sign I mean there's young women conceiving all the time right God said I'm going to give you a sign he said behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, so that's a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me give you the cross-reference to that. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. In Isaiah 7.14, we have this prophecy given by Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Now keep your finger there in Isaiah 7, okay? Because I want you to look at it back and forth. Keep your finger in Isaiah 7.14, but go to Matthew 1. And, and, and uh, in Matthew 7.14, Isaiah said, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, that prophecy is fulfilled, okay? Matthew 1. Now go, we're going to go back and forth from Isaiah 7.14 to Matthew 1. Look at Matthew 1 and verse 22. 
1 Timothy and Romans. And here's what's interesting. We have this really interesting story about Ahaz and the kings coming to destroy him and, 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 and Isaiah's trying to minister to them and he tells them, hey, stop talking, you know, be alert. He says, you know, don't be afraid. He said, get some confidence. He said, no confidence. He said, get some courage from God. Don't be, have confidence. He, we get all that, right? Then God says to Ahaz, God says to Ahaz, uh, ask for me a, a sign. And Ahaz says, I will not ask. He says, I don't want a sign. He said, I don't care, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. God comes back, okay? I don't know if you're in Isaiah 7, 14. You don't have to go back there, but let me just read it for you. God comes back and he says, therefore, the Lord himself should give you a sign, okay? So, God tells Ahaz, ask for a sign. Ahaz says, I will not so God says, okay, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. He said, in fact, I'm going to give you the greatest sign you can ever think of. He said, the Bible says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Right? So God says, I'm going to give you a sign. Now here's what's interesting. You, you would think to yourself, okay, what does that have to do with the story of Ahaz? Right? right? What does that have to do with being afraid? The sign about... The Messiah coming, and he's born of a virgin, and he's God in the flesh, and his name is Emmanuel, which is being interpreted as God with us. Why would you call a child God with us if he wasn't God with us? He's God. Okay, don't let the Jehovah's Witnesses tell you that he's not God. Don't let the Mormons tell you that he's a God. The Bible says he is the God. Okay? He's God in the flesh. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Now, here's what's interesting. Are you there in Hebrews? When you're afraid, when your life's falling apart, and when you don't know what to do. When your marriage is ending, your children are leaving, your job was taken, your house was foreclosed upon, you lost everything, you say, I, I, I just passed, I just feel like I'm just under attack. And I'm a little scared. And I don't know what to do. God says to Isaiah, God says to Ahaz through Isaiah, He said, hey, I'm going to give you a sign. You know that there's a, a, a child coming who is born of a virgin who is actually God in the flesh. Say, Pastor, what does that have to do with anything? Okay, are you there in Hebrews 4? Look at verse 15. Let's read about this God man. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest, that's Jesus Christ, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. See, you and I would look at God if we were Ahaz, and we would look at God and say, God, you don't know what I'm going through. God, you don't understand. You, you're up there, and you're the Lord, high and holy and lifted up, and Isaiah's been preaching all that stuff, but you, you don't understand. You don't know what it is to be a human being, to be scared, to have your finances. You don't, God, you don't understand. But you think, God is looking out at his, and he's saying, I know exactly how you feel. Because we have not an high priest, Hebrews 4.15, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Do you understand that Jesus was in all points tempted like you are? Jesus felt every temptation, Jesus felt everything, everything you've ever felt, everything you've ever thought, every, everything that ever happened to you, you were betrayed by a friend, Jesus was betrayed by a friend. You, you lost everything, Jesus lost everything. You've been homeless, Jesus was homeless. You, 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 the Bible says, he, had, he said, the foxes have holes and the birds have holes. He said, the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. He said, you, you struggle financially, he struggled financially. You had people criticize you and backstab you and lie about you. Jesus said, I, I've gone through all that, I know how you feel. He said, you feel under attack, Jesus said, I feel under attack. Now notice, Hebrews 4.15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are. Here's the difference. Because he was born of a virgin. Because he's God in the flesh. 
here's the difference, yet, him without sin. He said, what do I have to do? Because remember, Ahaz, ask a sign. I don't want to ask a sign. Okay, Ahaz, I'm going to send you a son. His name is Manuel. He was born of a virgin. He's going to go through everything you've ever done. And he's going to feel everything you've ever felt. He's going to understand everything you've ever understood. Now look at Hebrews 4.15. For we have not a high priest, which shall not be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points of life, as we are yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore, the word therefore means because of this, because of what? Because of the fact that we have a high priest that was tempted like as we are, that did everything we did, that understands you, that understands me, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of... When I'm scared, when I don't know what to do, Say, so why should I ask? Because Jesus went through everything you went through. Because Jesus, because God sent us His Son, Jesus Christ. God was made flesh. And because of that, the Bible says, let us therefore come boldly and ask. Say what? Well, are you there for sympathy? I want you to see how all these things kind of go together, okay? You say, Pastor, you lost me. Just stick with me for one minute and we'll get you some cake, okay? And you'll be fine. First Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God... God doesn't understand what I'm going through. But you know who does? And one mediator between God and men. Notice this, the man, Christ Jesus. The God doesn't know, God doesn't understand, God never had to deal with this, but Jesus did. Jesus felt it all, understood it all, He knows what you're going through, He understands, look, you understand, Pastor Jimenez does not understand what you're going through. I have not lost like you've lost. I have not struggled like you've struggled. I have my own struggles. I have my own issues. I have my own... I haven't gone through everything you have, but I know who has. His name is Jesus Christ. Now here's what's interesting. You say, well, I, I still don't get it. Go, go to Romans chapter 8. Hopefully this will bring it all together what we done. Romans chapter 8. Ahaz, why are you scared? I'm scared because the kings are coming and there's a confederacy and, and, and the odds are against me and this is not going to work out, God, and you don't understand... Ahaz, ask for a sign. I'm not, I will not ask for a sign. God, you don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. And God says, Ahaz, let me prove to you how much you are able to come to me and ask. He says, I'm going to give you a sign, whether you want it or not. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. Now here's what's interesting, okay? Romans chapter 8, are you there? Romans chapter 8, look at verse 31. We're done, right here. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? To what things? All your troubles. How are you going to respond to When the bills come, when the debts come, and you just don't know what to do. What shall we say to these things? Here's what we'll say. If God before us, who can be against us? Now, now how, why would I have that confidence that God before us? Here's how I have that confidence that God is for me. Here's why. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Here, here's the point. It has, if God would send his son, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, to be tempted in all points like as you are, yet without sin, to go to the Mount of Calvary, to be crucified, to be buried, to be resurrected, to become the high priest, to have all, if God would give you Emmanuel, why would he not help you with your marriage? And why would He not help you with your finances? And why would He not help you with your children? And why would, why would you not ask Him? If He spared not His own Son, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? 
And he says, I'm not going to ask God. And God says, says, you won't ask for a sign. He said, I'll give you a sign that I will give you anything and everything that you ask according to my will. He said, because if I would give you my son, he said, I'll give you everything you need. He didn't say that he would make your troubles go away. He just said, I'll walk alongside and help you. You say, well, what do I do when I'm scared and I don't know what to do? Here's what you do. You come to God and you ask. And you get on your knees and you say, God, I'm coming boldly through the throne of grace because I have a high priest that knows what I feel like, knows what I'm going through. I have a mediator. You sent your son, Jesus Christ. And I have the privilege and the opportunity to come to you in prayer. And I know that you will give me freely all things as long as they're according to your will. Because if you did not spare Emmanuel, you will not spare on anything. So what do you do? You ask. You pray. You realize that if God... See, see, we, we, we trust God with the eternal, but we don't trust Him with the tangible. God, God can save my soul, but He can't help you financially. He can't help you with your marriage. But here's the question. Are you like Ahaz? Do you have the attitude of I will not ask? Let's bow our heads. Dear my Father, Lord, we love You. Thank You for our church, Lord. Thank You for Isaiah chapter 7, as we could gather some truths from it. Father, I pray that you would help all of us. I know that if we aren't going through it right now, we will all go through a time when we are struggling, when we're afraid, we don't know how the bills are going to get paid, and we don't know how things are going to work out, and and we just feel like we're under attack. Lord, I know that we are either going through that, or we will go through it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize during those times that if you sent your son and you didn't spare Him, you won't spare anything. But the problem is, you have not, because you ask not. Father, I pray that you would help us to become people of prayer. Lord, I pray that you would help us to become people that don't just pray five minutes before, just a couple minutes before bed, or, or 30 seconds before a meal. Help us to become the people that would get on our knees before the throne of grace, and that we would ask that we would pray, that we would come to our God and ask Him. Before we start trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this and how can I take care of that, before we can start saying, well, can I do this medicine or can I do that medicine, before we start worrying about all those solutions, why don't we just come to God and ask Him? Father, I pray You'd help us to become a people of prayer. We love You. In Your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, let's take our...